0: cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with D. Crom. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I am your host, David Cromwell, and well, folks. Tonight, we can pretty much say that football is back as the Steelers and Cowboys kick off the 2021 NFL preseason in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. And our nonstop NFL coverage here on Sports Crunch is only about to get busier as the regular season draws closer and plenty of intriguing storylines emerge all across the league. And joining us today to discuss and analyze several of those storylines is our good friend Carl Dumbler of MileHighHuddle.com. It's great
1: to have you back here, Carl. How you been? I've been, I've been doing really well, man. Like I said, football's back. How could you not be happy? It's great to get some of these training camp reports. And like I said, football is actually going to have a game. That's probably not going to be the prettiest thing, but it's still football. So we're going to all watch it and love it. And I'm just excited for that and excited to get to talk some football with you tonight. You know, uh, you and I, we've been friends here for a while and actually got to meet down at the senior bowl. And uh, we've done a few shows throughout the years together. So it's just always fun to come on here and, and get this chance with you, buddy
0: always good to have you on here my friend as well and let's start in Indianapolis where a horseshoe apparently does not bring much luck today if any mm-hmm. last week Carson Wentz suffered a foot injury on a quarterback rollout during training camp and the injury caused a broken bone to come loose thus Wentz and the team eventually decided surgery which he underwent on Monday was the only choice but just when you thought things couldn't get worse they did as all pro guard Quentin Nelson, one of the two most irreplaceable players on the Colts, suffered a very similar injury to Wentz and underwent surgery on Tuesday. The recovery timetable for both can be as little as five weeks. And Quentin Nelson says he plans to be back on the field week one, but it can take as much as 12 weeks. If both take until late October to recover, are the Colts looking at a potential top 10, if not top five pick in the 2022 NFL draft?
1: Yeah, anytime you lose your starting quarterback and your backup is a guy that struggled in college and was viewed as somebody that's going to take a long time to develop and Jacob Eason, unless they go get somebody, trade for somebody, that's going to be tough. And then Quentin Nelson, probably the best guard in football right now to to lose him. I mean, he's kind of your identity on offense. I mean, it's kind of weird to say that about a guard, but that's exactly what he is because he is so dominant and uh, you, you just can't replace that kind of player and so yeah they're they're in trouble i don't know what they're going to do to recover from that uh, I, I saw the, the 5 to 12 week and then i saw a doctor that was like nobody no doctor would say 5 to 12 weeks at, at best we'd say 6 to 12 weeks but th- that kind of window they said that, that we don't do that you're looking at probably closer to that 8 to 10 week recovery period for these guys to actually get back on the field and and ready to go. So they are going to miss some time in my opinion. And any time missed by especially starting quarterback and starting all-pro player, you're in trouble.
0: Indeed, and speaking of uh, veteran quarterbacks in the Colts, Chris Mortensen reported yesterday that the Colts are not going to pursue a trade for a veteran quarterback like a Nick Foles or a Gardner Minshew or a Marcus Mariota at this time. But he implied the team can change its mind if Jacob Easton struggles badly in the preseason. Should that happen, which of those three aforementioned quarterbacks would you trade for if you were Chris Ballard and why?
1: I I would go Marcus Mariota. I I think, I mean, he's got starting experience. He's a veteran, can come in right away. He's got enough athleticism that you can kind of move him around, keep things pretty simple early on. Uh, He's a good backup, good locker room guy. Just a lot of things there that you got to like with him that I think could really at least kind of keep the boat afloat until those guys get back.
0: Yes. And uh, do you think the Jaguars would like to trade Gardner Minshew in their division? I'm not sure.
1: No, no. And and honestly, it doesn't, unless the Colts are going, we're offering you a first round pick. It's not worth it. It's nice to have a backup that has starting experience that actually didn't play all that terrible last year. Like he was one of the few bright shining things on the Colts or on the the Jaguars last year. I mean, he, he wasn't, at least he wasn't the reason they were losing every game. And uh, so that's a nice backup to have to your rookie quarterback. Nice guy to learn from. So, yeah, there's so many things of why that trade will not happen.
0: Indeed. And speaking of rookie quarterbacks, one rookie quarterback that is absolutely stealing the show in training camp is Trey Lance of the 49ers. As your colleague and our mutual friend, Nick Kendall tweeted yesterday, he can recall no rookie quarterback who received such an immediate reaction of, wow, this kid's the real deal in training camp than Patrick Mahomes four years ago. Moreover, NFL insider Benjamin Albright tweeted that someone who saw one of the Niners training camp practices described Lance as, quote, Patrick Mahomes 2.0. However, Benjamin Albright also added that the 49ers plan firmly remains the exact same as the 2017 Chiefs, albeit with some special offensive packages for Trey Lance sprinkled in. But do you think the Niners will be forced to abandon this plan and start Trey Lance sooner than many expect?
1: I I do. I mean, you brought him in because Kyle Shanahan wants that athletic quarterback that he can really manipulate defenses with. And if that guy is dominating, how do you keep him on the bench? It's kind of like when uh, Russell Wilson was a rookie and he was dominating training camp so much that they just said, all right, you know what? We did pay this other guy all this money, but we can't keep this guy on the bench. The team knows he is the best quarterback here. And, and so I think the 49ers will get to that kind of point. And Kyle Shanahan also, I mean, he's, yes, he's made, made it to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but he's also had two really bad losing seasons as well, uh, kind of surrounding that. And so he knows a little bit clock is ticking. And so you want to get your rookie out there and show, Hey, we did not make a mistake taking this guy and he's going to be a star here for us. And that's going to make us a great team to, to play for the next 15, 20 years.
0: Oh man, I am so bullish on Trey Lance with the 49ers and when we uh talked on our uh draft night uh live stream on uh, day 2 of the draft, you didn't mince words and you said that it wouldn't surprise you if Trey Lance, not even Trevor Lawrence, ends up as the best quarterback from this draft class. You still hold that view.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, he's in a perfect situation. 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, probably the most quarterback friendly system in the entire NFL. Maybe Andy Reid could Take that kind of title, but but those two, one two, and and getting that kind of athleticism, that kind of arm, plus all the reports of how intelligent he is, how hardworking he is. Th- there's just so many things that just lead you to believe that is the best situation. And then you look at like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a better player, but going with Urban Meyer, I I don't know how that situation is going to work out. I I still don't think that's a great situation. I don't. Urban Meyer is a great college quarter coach, but. NFL coach is a whole new ball game, and he's already shown he's made quite a few mistakes. He's still trying to do the college thing on a lot of levels, and it's just not going to work in the NFL.
0: And uh, you mentioned Trey Lance's football IQ, and one of the main things that people were raving about him during the pre-draft process was his mature decision making for somebody his age. A lot of people were comparing his uh, athleticism and skill set to Josh Allen, rightfully so. But Josh Allen did not have that intelligence uh, coming out of college. He did not have that reputation as a supreme decision maker coming out of college. Trey Lance has that, and if uh, the the growth Josh we saw from Josh Allen in his third year in the league was was awesome. I think Trey Lance has more astronomical
1: growth these next three years, don't you? Right. Well, yeah, and he's surrounded by a better team than Josh Allen stepped into. Josh Allen stepped into a terrible offense. They had a great defense, but that offense had no playmakers. Offensive line was not great, and, and so it, it took time to build around him. And at, where the 49ers, he's stepping in. He's got a great left tackle in Joe Staley. He's got playmakers. He's got a running game. And like I say, he's got a coach that really knows how to take advantage of a player like him.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully we see Trey Lance on the field sooner rather than later. And another rookie quarterback who is off to a very good start in training camp is Justin Fields. However, Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times wrote yesterday that Andy Dalton has looked like, quote, the most consistent quarterback Matt Nagy has ever coached and thus remains on track to start week one for the Bears against the Rams. Although I firmly, and I mean firmly remain in the start Fields week one camp, especially if he shows enough during preseason, one of our jobs as people who cover football is to try to understand differing opinions. And one of the arguments against playing Justin Fields right off the bat that I actually do understand is that you don't want to put him behind an offensive line that looks very unproven and worrisome right now, especially a tackle. As long as the Bears get 10 or more starts from Justin Fields this year, would it be acceptable for you to let him wait his turn for just a few weeks, given the uncertainties on the offensive line?
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw with Joe Burrow. He was behind a terrible offensive line, got hit a lot, got injured. And now it sounds like he is really struggling at camp not trusting that knee, you don't want the same thing with Justin Fields because his athleticism is a big part of what makes him be able to go on top of intelligence and and accuracy and all those kind of things. But yeah, you, you want to protect your, your first round investment. Now, can the coaches wait? That's the big thing. Matt Nagy and, and their GM were on, on the hot seat heading into this. A, a lot of people didn't expect them to still be there. So can you really wait to show that rookie quarterback? I don't think you can. So I think they're going to be almost pressured to put him on the field earlier than than later.
0: Yes. And as you know, Carl, the Bears are my 1A favorite team to my one favorite team, which we'll uh, get to in a little bit. But speaking of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, I don't think Ryan Pace especially has done Justin Fields any favors since drafting him. Not only did he make a puzzling decision to release Charles Leno and make the offensive line even worse, Leno, um, he might not be the sexiest offensive tackle in the league, but he's damn sure his league average, and that's the bare minimum of what you need. And you make the situation even worse and put Tevin Jagans, who I really love, at left tackle, when many, if not most, believe he projects far better at right tackle in the NFL, creating this messy tackle situation they have right now. Just bizarre, and even more bizarre How he stuck to the $16 million per year number for Allen Robinson negotiations, especially considering the franchise tag is $2 million higher, how he just botched that situation with Allen Robinson. And this year, I have a feeling we're going to see just how special Allen Robinson really is as he plays with the best quarterback in his career, whether that be Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, and he's going to get to play with both this season But the fact that the Bears aren't in a good place with Allen Robinson from a contractual perspective is very alarming. And Jacob Adfonte of Windy City Griniron told me on the show a couple weeks ago, he is not optimistic about the Bears retaining Allen Robinson long term. If the Bears let Allen Robinson walk away for nothing, would you fire Ryan Pace on the spot for that? Because that's the most organizational malpractice thing you can do uh, with a rookie quarterback by uh, letting the best receiver on your team walk.
1: Well, especially when you have a rookie on a rookie contract, like you've got money to spare. You can go overspend at other positions because your quarterback position has so little money towards it.
0: Absolutely. That's what makes this thing all the more puzzling is that you have fields on a rookie contract. And if you don't get in the mood to extend Allen Robinson after this season, Ryan Pace shouldn't be the GM for another day, should he?
1: Right, right. I'm with you. I mean, that's the thing is, the the best teams, when they draft a rookie quarterback, they say, we are going to do everything possible to make his job easy early on in his career. I mean, Patrick Mahomes walked into a perfect situation with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and then they went and got um, Nicole Hardman to add to that weaponry. They've paid two tackles, big-time money, went out and drafted a running back in the first round this last year. So they've done everything possible to say, you know, Patrick Mahomes, we know that you're special but we're going to make sure that we can get as much out of you as possible because we're going to surround you with special talent. And unfortunately there's teams out there like with Sam Darnold with the, the jets, they did nothing to surround that kid. They, they left him high and dry. And then they're going, how did he fail? Why did he fail? Because you gave him nothing. (laughs) And, and so again, for the the bears to let go of one of the top right wide receivers in football, when you have a rookie quarterback, that's just criminal right there.
0: It most certainly is. And hopefully Ryan Pace wises up or he could find himself out of a job sooner rather than later. And you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs and a position group that is already looking like it will be one of the most improved units in the NFL this season to the chagrin of the rest of the league, especially the AFC, is the Chiefs offensive line. So far in training camp, Joe Tooney, yes, uh, people have seen that video today of Chris Jones beating him one-on-one rep, but Chris Jones is a freak. Don't get worked out because Joe Tooney for the most part on campus, showing why he is worth every cent of that $80 million deal the Chiefs gave him in free agency. And rookies Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, the latter of which is looking like a humongous draft steal, are playing like they belong. Thus, you potentially have an elite interior offensive line in Kansas City, plus Orlando Brown, junior at left tackle, and Mike Remmers at right tackle, who, aside from uh, two Super Bowl performances, one of them, which was at left tackle, uh, is pretty steady in league average, and that's pretty much the bare minimum in the NFL, as I alluded to. How bullish are you? on this new chiefs offensive line. And if they're as good as pro football focus thinks they're going to be, is defending Patrick Mahomes going to be scarier than ever before this season?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you give Patrick Mahomes even a half second extra to let Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman get down the field to go make big plays. You're in trouble. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he, he can run for his life and still be special, but if he doesn't have to run for his life, I mean, I, the, the sky is the limit of what kind of stats that guy could put up and so it is a little bit scary i'm hoping orlando brown being coming from a, a run heavy offense to a pass heavy offense maybe that gives him a little bit of struggle there maybe but we'll see and and thuni yeah you're right i i hate one-on-one drills where people are going oh my gosh look how this guy got dominated that's not how it works in games very often you got somebody that's helping you chip an elite player especially like chris jones you're not leaving them very often one on one and saying you got to go win this matchup the entire game by yourself. They're not going to do that, even for a guy like Joe Thurney, who's who's great by himself. They're still going to give him help and kind of in those kind of situations. So, uh, yeah, they're they're going to be a tough unit, and it's unfortunate the Chiefs could rebuild that offensive line that quick. That really stinks.
0: Oh, definitely, Carl and Broncos fans, Raiders fans, and Chargers fans would all agree on that. And Carl, when we spoke on our uh, draft night live stream we mentioned just how much potential the chargers have but the window to capitalize for them is literally right now because you got herbert on his rookie contract and if you are unable to get by the chiefs and win a super bowl under herbert's rookie deal their time could expire faster than than many think but the chargers you've gotten uh Another massively improved offensive line there with Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley and Matt Filer coming in. And uh, that should only make Justin Herbert more dangerous, but the chargers, they still have some weak spots on that roster and given the improvements, the chiefs have made on offense and they should even be better on defense. Given how Nick Bolton is playing in training camp. uh, I'm not sure just how much of a chance the chargers have to surpass the chiefs, at least this season. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. They, they have some major holes that defense it doesn't scare anybody. And I mean, Joe Staley is there or not Joe Staley. Sorry. Their new coach. Brandon Staley. Uh, yeah. Brandon Staley. There you go. <laughs> He's there. <laughs> and, and so I, I feel better about that kind of situation that he could actually get the most out of that unit. But Derwin James, what is he going to be coming back from injury? You just lost Melvin Ingram who I, I know wasn't putting up huge stats wise, but he was still a, a big time pressure guy. And uh, you know, the defensive line's not that great. Secondary has Mike Davis, Chris Harris juniors on that downhill trend. So, what are they going to be in that secondary, especially trying to line up against the Chiefs? You're going to have to try to go out and outscore them. And the Chargers' weaponry, other than Keenan Allen, it's not a unit that really scares me. Mike Williams is okay, but he's a jump ball guy. Like he's a he's got a limited game of what he brings to the table. He's strong in what he brings to the table, but he's weak everywhere else. And uh, so I just I'm. I'm a little down on the chargers, maybe more than I should be. I think that number two spot in the the division is really up in the air right now between the the three teams after the chiefs.
0: Indeed. And it's going to be fascinating to watch. And let's go on to an even bigger headline in our world right now. And we remain in a much better place with COVID-19 today compared to last year. But the new Delta variant and vaccine hesitant teams will cast a shadow over the 2021 NFL season. And last week, nearly the entire Vikings quarterback room, including Kirk Cousins, was forced to isolate when rookie Kellen Mond tested positive because they were not vaccinated. Remember, uh, NFL COVID protocols say that players who are fully vaccinated do not have to isolate. And if this was week one, the Vikings would have been in big, big, big trouble just as the Broncos in their experience with Kendall Hinton last year. And do you get the feeling that a similar situation that what the Vikings went through, which occurs in the regular season, will cost the team a spot in the playoffs? It almost feels like it's inevitable, sadly.
1: It is. I mean, it does sound like most teams have responded and went and got themselves vaccinated and have their numbers at least 80 percent and higher. You've got a few teams that are still holding out on some of those numbers and Vikings being one of those, which makes me a little nervous about the Broncos going down there and practicing against them. Like to me, if I'm the coach, I'm going, I'm not risking my team to go get these few practices in. It's not worth it. We'll just stay here, get all of our stuff done here and then go play that game. Uh, But I I don't know. We'll we'll see if they end up canceling or not at the end of it. Uh, But yeah, you're right. There's a good chance some team is going to lose some major key players at some point. And it's going to cost them a game. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a whole quarterback room, like we saw with the Vikings this week, but like I said, there's still going to be some key players that have to sit out just like we saw last year and in the NFL, I mean, one game really does make the difference sometimes between being a playoff, you know, position or being completely out of it. And then being in that stupid middle pack where you're not good enough to get a a top tier player in the draft, but you're just in the middle where there's kind of, there's good players, but not great players.
0: And today, citing uh, data from the CDC, the NFLPA requested that the NFL go back to testing vaccinated players on a daily basis, albeit not as rigorous as unvaccinated players. And uh, the NFL's chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Sills, said no. Do you think the NFLPA has it right here? I personally think they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, you don't want this going through your entire team. that's the worst case scenario where you have to lose an entire week of practice from a lot of your key players that, that need some time, you know, Broncos being a young team, you lose some of those young players for an entire week. That that's a, that's a big difference in what you can bring, especially early in the season.
0: Indeed. And speaking of the Broncos, one of the most interesting storylines out of Broncos training camp is how they're utilizing rookie cornerback, Patrick Sertan, the second. And as I said, in the AFC West draft recap show I did with your colleague, Lance Sanderson, a couple months ago, Patrick Sertan's athletic profile is strikingly similar to that of Derwin James. Thus, in addition to playing him on the boundary, they've been playing him in the slot as well as that dime linebacker. So he can be used as that tight end eraser. The Broncos have sorely lacked for so many years. Do you like how the Broncos are apparently going to use Patrick Sertan?
1: I, I do. I my one big concern is putting that much on a rookie's plate. You know, it, it's enough of a jump and an adjustment to trying to get to the NFL and learn one position. If you're going to ask this guy to go learn maybe three or four different positions to have to go out there and play at a high level, I I think you could be setting yourself up for failure. Now, Patrick Sustan is a little bit different. He comes from an NFL family, so kind of understands a little bit more of what an actual NFL team is like and uh, comes a little bit ahead of the curve. And it sounds like he's highly intelligent, hardworking, all those kind of things. But I don't know many rookies that I've ever seen in NFL history that came in, played multiple positions and was very successful at it. Derwin James did it. So I, I guess if, if that's who we're comparing him to on, on that kind of you know athletic profile, maybe it's possible. But it, it, that's my one big concern with it.
0: I definitely understand that concern and uh, just how much they use him in different spots remains to be seen. And on to a team that many are bullish on this season, rightfully so, the Cleveland Browns. On a special we did ranking all 32 NFL rosters in early June, Nick Kendall had the Browns as the best overall roster in the AFC outside of Kansas City. And there are many reasons to expect them to be even better in year two of the Kevin Stefanski era. However, as Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports noted in his season preview article on the Browns. And by the way, Frank Schwab's a season preview series. He writes articles on all 32 teams. Just finished his last one today. It is the best season preview resource for any football fans. Check it out at yahoosports.com. Frank Schwab is the man. And Frank noted that the Browns in 2020 were outscored by 11 points overall and were an astonishing 7-2 and two in games decided by 7 points or less. And that's almost certainly going to regress to the mean in 2021. Because of those statistics, at least in part, should the Ravens be considered AFC North favorites rather than the Browns?
1: It's close between those two. I mean, that that AFC North is a, a tough division. Uh, I mean, Steelers started out the season 11-0. and 0. Now it wasn't against great teams and they got lucky on a lot of different things, but they still went 11 and zero. you don't do that just by being completely lucky. You still got to be good in some areas. Uh, So, but the, the Browns, I just like their elite players better than I like the elite players for the Ravens. That that's one of the, the big separating things for me. Uh, Part of it though, with the Browns, how does OBJ come back? Uh, A lot of people are saying that he's in great shape and looking great in camp, but he's been a distraction everywhere he's gone. It seems like teams almost do better when he's not on the field compared to when he is, which is kind of a weird thing because you got this elite player who does incredible things, but he hurts his team. So I, I, I don't know how that's going to work out. They're going to have to figure out how to really balance him being on that roster to really make that work.
0: Indeed. And another thing I'm watching as far as the Browns are concerned, is their newly remade secondary. Yeah. You already have Denzel Ward. Who's a pro bowl corner. But in the draft, you've got an outstanding bookend for him in Greg the second. As long as he stays healthy, Greg Newsom has the potential to be a top 10, 15, if not top five corner of the league. He's that gifted. Uh, he's also very smart coming out of that Northwestern Pat Fitzgerald system, and he should have uh, no problem getting the playbook down eventually there. And you also have Grant Delpit coming back after he lost his rookie year to, to, to injury but you also signed a very underrated safety in John Johnson III. You remade the secondary, which was arguably the weakest spot of your team overnight into a potentially um, above average unit. And uh, do you think the Browns take that step in the secondary? And if they do, do you think that's going to be enough for them to overcome any regression
1: to the mean? I think so. I I think that's, uh, like I said, it's a very improved unit, something that uh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed of what they've done probably Broncos are the only other team that maybe improved their cornerback group more than what the Browns did this off season. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see how those guys go, but it, it's still, I mean, the, the Browns are going to go as Baker goes. And you could say that about pretty much all teams in the NFL of how your quarterback goes, your team's going to go there, There's like maybe one or two exceptions a year where a team has an elite defense or an elite unit that just really takes over Team gets lucky on a few breaks, those kind of things. But uh really right now it does boil down to Baker Mayfield. And if he can take a little bit more of a, a step forward in his career, then yeah, the Browns are right there as one of the top teams in, in the AFC.
0: And on to the Ravens for a moment. Uh as early as uh last week before training camp, the Ravens The most alarming spot in their roster was edge pass rusher. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Odafe Owe. I think he's a very promising uh, young player and a huge freakish athletic ability and advanced in run defense for somebody that raw in terms of pass rush. And I think he could be very, very good in the long run, but it's uh, wishful thinking to um, ask for a Pro Bowl kind of year or defensive rookie of the year type campaign from him uh, this uh, season. And you had Tyus Bowser who hasn't become anything and just got like a prove it uh, second contract from the Ravens, so to speak. That was the most alarming spot their roster. But last weekend they signed Justin Houston, who still has a lot left in the tank as he showed us these past couple years with the Indianapolis Colts. Did you like that signing by the Ravens?
1: Yeah, it made complete sense on both sides. It sounds like he had offers for bigger contracts from other teams But at this point in his career, he said, I'm going for championships. And if I see an opportunity to get on a team that could actually go out there and win that kind of championship, then, then I go for it. And, and the Ravens have a very, very strong roster. I want to see them show improvement in their ability to come back in games. Like they're great at getting leads and keeping it because of that run game. And because Lamar Jackson, but when you actually force them to say, Hey, you have to pass against us, that's when the Ravens fall apart. And uh, so, you know, Justin Houston, is a nice little piece to add to the puzzle, but that is their biggest weakness in my opinion.
0: Indeed. And the Ravens somewhat addressed that weakness with their first of two first round picks by drafting Rashad Bateman, because now in Rashad Bateman, you've got a super promising young wide receiver with Allen Robinson type upside to help Lamar Jackson take that key next step as a passer. And in order for the Ravens to... Uh, be a better team and play from behind. Lamar is going to have to take that next step as a passer this season. And uh, Rashad Bateman is one of the best guys to help him do it. Don't you think so?
1: Oh, for sure. I, I thought he was one of the more underrated receivers in this past draft. If he hadn't gotten COVID and kind of lost a little bit of time there this past season, I think he would have been right there in the conversation with those top guys that were coming off the, the board with Jamar chase and, and some of them, because he was that kind of level the year before. And I I just think too many people took this past season of his struggles and said, "Uh, I got some questions about it. I I don't have any questions about it. He got sick. It happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Most certainly did. And hopefully Rashad Bateman can help Lamar Jackson take that key next step in his development. And on to players demanding trades and two star defensive players as in Cardinals pass rushing outside linebacker Chandler Jones and Dolphins all pro cornerback Xavier Howard. They have both made it clear that they want out of their current locations. If either the Cardinals, Dolphins, or both are forced to cave in at some point before the trade deadline, what would be the best possible destination for Jones and for Howard?
1: Well, Howard, it would be. I mean, it'd be the Chiefs. I don't know why the Dolphins would do that because you're just making that team all the much stronger. Um, And the Chiefs really don't have the draft capital to make that work. But, I mean, you think about the kind of team that they have. They have a cornerback spot that they need filled, and he gives them an elite player at a position of need. Uh, At that point, the Chiefs, it's hard to see how they lose unless they have ridiculous injuries this year, if they get Xavier and Howard. Chandler Jones, I'm trying to think of, of what team would be a good one for him to go to. Um, Cole it, Thompson mentioned the New York giants because they have a very underrated
0: defense that only needs a proven pass rusher to take them to the next level.
1: Yeah. I, I wonder a little bit for the giants, especially after how training camp is gone where Daniel Jones is struggling. Do you really want to give up a first round pick when you might be needing a quarterback next year? That's my one concern there with that kind yeah. of trade.
0: They have two because of the, tr- the trade with the Bears when the, that the That's Bears right. used to get Justin Fields, but you still don't want to give any of that up because the Giants might have to maneuver up the board to get a quarterback.
1: Right, right, exactly. So to me, if I'm the Giants, I'm holding on to that. Uh, you know, I'm looking for for a team that thinks that they can maybe make it. Maybe Dallas. Maybe they're thinking yeah. we're a lot closer with Dak coming back, and we need another pass rusher. That defense is not looking all that great and really the nfc is pretty wide open after the top two teams you got tampa bay you got green bay and then you got a lot of real big time question marks and so if i'm dallas i'm kind of going that's a real possibility for some success
0: indeed and he is carl dumbler ladies and gentlemen of milehighhuddle.com follow him on twitter at carl dumbler mhh and remember that is carl with a c and speed of the dallas cowboys as i alluded to in the intro tonight Football returns with the Hall of Fame game between the Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we shouldn't expect to see the starters on either team that much, if at all. But if there are any players on either team to keep an eye on tonight, who are they, and why?
1: Well, with Dallas, I mean, you're always looking at the the rookies. Of who do you think can can actually become an impact player this year? Um, I'm trying to think of all the players that they they drafted this year that uh, that I'm excited to kind of see. Um,
0: uh, Wright Wright Um, is a name that uh, speaks to me because uh, he was a guy that many felt were overdrafted, but has pleased the Cowboys so far in training camp. Very, very much.
1: Yeah. Kelvin Joseph, Joseph, Jabril yeah. Cox, Micah Parsons. You know, th- those are a couple of names that are, are, could become big, big stars, um, that I'm kind of interested to see on the field this year. I, I don't know. I, I don't really care too much about either of these teams since they are NFC. Uh, or I guess Steelers aren't, but, uh, okay. the Cowboys, not as much, um, Steelers. I'm trying to think of, of, I guess maybe some of their, their quarterbacks just to see if they, do they have anything beyond big Ben. Yep. D- do they have anything that can actually become something of the future or are, are the Steelers, the top team looking for a quarterback next year?
0: Yes, and also the young offensive linemen they drafted, especially yep. Kendrick Green, who will likely be the starting center week one. And uh, Dan Moore, um, correct me if I'm wrong, if that's not his name, uh, the tackle from Texas A&M they drafted on day three, who might uh, have a crack at that uh, left tackle starting job for all we know.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, th- those kind of players you want to keep an eye on for for their future. Like I said, neither team's going to play big time starters. Um unless they're rookies that they're just trying to get as much experience before week one, you might see like a Micah Parsons for like five steps for one series or something like that. And then say, all right, Nope, you're done. Putting you on ice because I know that hall of fame field isn't known as the, the best field. There's a lot of teams that worry about that. We had that game canceled. What two years ago. Um, that was in 2016. 20. Okay. Uh, so like I said, it's not the best field in the world and I'm not really, the the main thing about preseason is getting a little bit of experience and staying healthy. Like those are the two things that you want out of that whole time. You don't want to look good. You don't, you don't care as much about that. You want to, but it, it's kind of a secondary thing in this. I mean, we've seen teams that went five and oh in the preseason and then tanked during the season. So looking good in the preseason isn't a indicator of great success in the season.
0: Thank you very much, Carl. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week with our Women in Sports series as well as more nonstop NFL coverage. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, once again, be sure to follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler, M H H. And once again, that's Carl with the C. You can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom59 and on Instagram at with DCrom. And remember, that's crunch with a K. For Carl Dummler, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane. And if you haven't done so yet, please get your COVID-19 vaccine. I promise you that it will help save your life. Take care, cats and kittens, and stay cool.